just raise up all those people that are, you know, struggling today. I, I just woke up this morning, you know, and it was such, um, it was quite chilly really early. Um, I turned on the heat and I, you know, I was sitting there then thinking, God, this is lovely and cosy. And it just really struck me, you know, how privileged we are to live in, you know, lovely warm homes, a roof over our head. How many people, you know, slept the night inside in a doorway somewhere or, you know, in some kind of, of um, hellhole of some kind, you know, perhaps being abused or whatever in their homes. We just praise God, you know, for how privileged we are, how privileged we are to live in this nation that we have freedom. And, you know, it's so important to fight for that freedom, to fight to maintain that freedom. And this past week we've been in Dublin at... Um, the conference um, in uh, all nations in, in the National Boxing Stadium on Monday and on Tuesday. And on, on Tuesday, um, it, was, uh, it was the parents' information night about the, the changes to our school's curriculum for children in primary school and in secondary school. And, um, you know, it's just shocking, really, the way that the enemy is using um, almost like a snowball theory where, where, you know, something that was, was on the fringes even five, six years ago has now been firmly, or well, is trying to be firmly implanted and entrenched even in our children's curriculum to, to change and pervert their minds you know, that, that they can change from being a boy today and at lunchtime they can be a girl. Um, you know, that, that they might be uh, mixed up. Uh, these are impressionable children. And I, I really encourage you, um, if you do get a chance to watch it, it's on um, YouTube uh, under Christian Voice Ireland. And I've also shared it on our Facebook page and our Twitter page. And, um, you know, because what you read in the, in the mainstream media and even... On, uh, that was on Tuesday, and on Tuesday night going into Wednesday morning, two articles appeared in the journal, actually, newspaper, one of them written by um, an SPHE teacher, and by God, you know, to read it, you would actually say, you know, it was so well written and crafted, it would actually, you know, almost... Um, brainwash you into thinking this is a great thing and not you know but the thing about it is it was it was totally um condemning what went on on the tuesday night and basically you know saying that um the people that were there are more or less egypts who don't know what they're talking about and that's how the enemy operates is he yeah. deceives people and he he it says in the word of god that he can make himself to be an angel of light and this is why so many people have got tricked and deceived and lured. And uh, we're just going to have a chat about that today from the Word of God um, as well, you know, from, from God's point of view. But um, I just assure you, you know, in case that you have read, and that there were some other articles came out afterwards now that were far more fair and balanced. And uh, very, you know, because what happened actually afterwards was the next day, um, the sports minister, who is one of the Green Party, uh, Catherine Martin, came out and basically threatened the boxing stadium that they better watch out who they're renting their premises to if they want to stay in receipt of government funding. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but to me, that spells dictatorship, yeah. you know, and uh, we don't live in a dictatorship. We live in a free society, a democracy, where people are entitled to their opinions. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that um, I would say that most Christians, now, maybe not all, you do have, you know, people who are, go off on a tangent, but I would say that most Christians are, in fact, very tolerant people and would say, you know, uh, people who are caught up in the LGBT lifestyle, you know, the word of God is quite clear. It is not of God and it is an abomination, in fact. But the thing about it is, is that God has given each one of us a free choice of how we want to live our lives. And um, this is the truth. And we always have to speak the truth. And the thing is, is for adults who wish to live that way, go, you know, and, and 
you're quite free to choose to live your life whatever way you choose to live it. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be uh, dictating to somebody how they should live their life. I'll tell you what's in the word of God and it's up to you whether you want to listen or not. People have a free choice to make up their own mind. But the thing is, is that what has happened here is that uh, this perverted thinking has now infiltrated through all the echelons of society, of leadership, in organisations, in our government, in our civil service, in our public libraries and public buildings, and is now their mantra that this is fact and it is true and it is right. And they're, they're trying to impose this teaching on young children's minds in order to twist them and to confuse them. Because children want to please and so, you know, uh, that's the thing is that it's really time, I, you know, and I think that the church and, and parents and people have been very, we as, a, as a, an, a nation, we're very easygoing people and we're very kind people. And it's like, oh, look, sure, let them at it or whatever. But the thing is, is that now, as I said, it has snowballed and crept up to such a place that it is, uh, you know, becoming a doctrine and becoming, replacing even biology, replacing scientific facts. Um, there have been so many um, people who have come out even yesterday. There was yet another article in the Daily Mail, uh, you know, about a girl who transitioned to be a boy when she was 14 years of age. She thought, she said, um, I think I might like to be a boy. They quickly... Um, you know, uh, steered her into the services for transgenderism and started uh, trying to get her to convince her to to um, have surgical procedures to remove her breasts and to and to put on you know an appendage so that she'd have a pretend penis. And sorry, now I don't mean to upset or offend anybody, but you know this is the reality that children are facing, yeah. and they wonder then why so many children are struggling with their mental health, yeah. why they're you know totally um, struggling with anxiety. The crap they're listening to on social media, and uh, they have it all the time on their phones, and now they have it at school, yeah. in a place where they should have been safe, where they should have been taught how to read, how to write, how to explore languages and geography and all kinds of great learning. Now, instead, into every, even into the, the maths classes, into the history, it's been brought into every part of their, of their learning. And that is what's dangerous. And that is why, you know, that meeting was on. And I would just encourage you to watch that YouTube video um, and to inform yourselves. And, to inf you know, we have the leaflets there to inform your family members. Because, you know, there, there was a movie years ago. Um, it was called uh, A Bug's Life. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was a Disney movie for children back when, you know, it was actually just about the children and not some perverted way that Disney has become. But um, anyway, uh, in The Bug's Life, uh, there was these ants uh, colony and there was like literally thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And every at the end of every summer, these um, grasshoppers, uh, like maybe 40 or 50 of them would come, they were way bigger than the ants, and they would steal all of their harvest that the ants had gathered. So it hap what happened was, that as the years went by, the ants had to work twice as hard because they had to build a mound for the grasshoppers to take and then build hidden uh, harvest for themselves. And one ant, you know, one day uh, he was looked at as being, a, you know, a rogue lone ranger kind of guy. And he said... But, like, there's way more of us than there is of them. Why are we letting them do this to us? You know, it was a real uh, good versus evil um, story and uh, of the bully versus the one who is being pushed around and intimidated. And I think that that has happened over the last number of years in our nation, that most people have got bullied and intimidated into shutting their mouth and saying nothing and just going with the flow and going with the crowd and not being that one who sticks out and says, but there's more of us than there is of them. You know, and there's a minority voice that has raised itself so loud uh, and, and garnered so much attention simply because many of, of the people are, are totally in, in, uninformed and in fact many of them would be involved in that lifestyle themselves and are so pushing it. 
And we need to be very careful because, um, just mute there, Mom. Uh, because uh, this can come and take over the whole society and suddenly take away freedoms. People should be allowed to have an opinion. Long ago, I always remember people would discuss things and talk and, you know, they'd say, we'll agree to disagree, you know? But whereas now you're not allowed to do that. You either toe the party line or you are, you know, excluded and, and made to be a, a persecuted, really, as a laughing stock and as a, some kind of pariah. And, and this needs to be, you know, so I'd really encourage you because this is your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your neighbors' children, your potential children in the future. And people can sit back all they want and say, look, it'll be grand. But, you know, I just think back to the days of 1916 and those men and women who said, no, it's not grand anymore. We need to do something about this. This is not right. What is, and and those, those men and women, you know, they didn't give their lives uh, just so that we could sit around and allow some other kind of uh, an oppressing force to sweep across our nation and steal our future generations. Amen. So I'd encourage you, friends, really to, to um, you know, have a look at it and, and inform yourself. And I, I think that, you know, you, as I said, um, many times before I don't like people who are aggressive or who are uh, you know because this often happens is where you have two opposing forces is that suddenly you have you know um, people who come into the middle of it who are only there to stir up crap and, and to, to cause trouble you know but I think that it's any you know any one of us when we meet somebody who has a different position, we should be able to discuss things openly and without screaming and shouting or, or, or calling people names or, or whatever, you know, that we should be able to do it in a respectful manner. But the thing is, is that there's also a time to stand up and say, no, this is not going to happen. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I just want to have a look today in the, in the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to pop along there. Um, and we have more Bibles out in the, in the outside room there if anybody wants one. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. And what I want to talk about today is the word predestined. Predestined. And um, the Word of God mentions this uh, twice in, in Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1. And um, the word predestined actually means... Um, Relating to uh, of an outcome or a course of events. It means determined. It means um, determined in advance by divine will or fate. Preordained. Predestined means it's preordained. It's already planned. It's foreordained or it's predetermined. Um, and it also means uh, it also means um, to decree. To determine, um, to appoint, or to settle beforehand, to decide beforehand, especially by divine command. So to predestine something means that, that God has already commanded it, that it's already appointed, that it is determined in advance, um, that it has been foreordained, um, that it has been decreed already and determined the outcome of it. And so we'll read um, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 with that in mind. He predestined us for adoption as sons, or he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So in accordance with God's pleasure and will. It was his pleasure and his will that we would be reconciled back to him as his sons and as his daughters. And one second now, I just have to yeah, okay, keep it muted. Um, and uh, this was for a reason, because God saw, you know, he created man, he created mankind, men and women. He created us to have fellowship with him. But then Satan came in, into the garden, and he lured Adam and Eve. He lured them with temptation, temptation to sin. What he lured them with was with insecurity, 
look, God is holding out on you. There's something better that you're missing out on. And so this caused them to give in to what Satan, the serpent, said and to believe him over believing God. And it's no different today. Satan's tactics have not changed. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Satan has a predestined, you know, a predestined outcome that he would like to see for every man, woman, and child on this earth. And it is to steal, to steal from them, to thieve their years, to thieve their destiny, to thieve uh, their finances or their family, to, to kill them ultimately, to bring total failure, failure of life, failure of relationships failure of you know their work or whatever and destruction he comes to steal to kill and to destroy so his his aim is utter destruction and uh, so that's his destiny that he has planned but God had predestined that we would be his sons and his daughters and so he had to make a way because God is holy and he had to make a way for us to be able to come into his presence because if you look at the word of God, any time that the presence of God appeared, uh, you know, what God told Moses was, don't let any one of those people come anywhere near the mountain. Because if they do, they will die. Because in the presence of God, sin cannot live there. And, you know, people would just drop dead in his presence. So he had to make a way for man, a bridge, or, or a stairway, or, or some kind of a link for mankind to be brought out of the darkness, out of the sin, uh, that they could come and fellowship with God again. And so that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus came to be the bridge between God and man. He's the mediator between God and man. There's no one else. People can tell you, pray to this one or pray to that one or, or if you do this or if you do that, then maybe God will you know, accept you. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he was the way that made this, um, this acceptance for us to be accepted by God. How did he do that? Because on, this, on the cross... He became sin for us. He took our sins. So every sin that every man, woman, or child would ever commit or had ever committed. You see, there's no distance in the spirit. There's no time in eternity. And so um, whatever happens three and a half thousand years ago or three and a half thousand years to come, it doesn't matter in God's sight. It's all present and before him. And so that's why one sacrifice for one time could wash and cleanse all of mankind's sin. And that's what Jesus was doing at the cross. He became sin for us so that we could be washed and made, made right with God. And it is from that point of view that God's perfect pleasure and will could be carried out and that we could be adopted into his family as if we had never sinned. And that's what he predestined for us. And if you want to look on there, so that's in, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. Just my glasses there for a second. It says in, in uh, verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He has blessed us. You're wondering, you know, there's areas in your life maybe where you're waiting for breakthrough or where you're waiting to see something happen. Listen, God has already made it happen. He's already blessed you. He's already paid the price. It's up to us to find out what his perfect will is. And that's why we study the word of God. It's why we join together. We are being trained and equipped here with God's word in order to live a successful life and to find the destiny, the plan and the purpose, the blueprint which God drew about your life or about my life. That's why we're here today. And we are being instructed and trained no different to an apprentice going in to some place and starting his trade, learning how to do everything. If it's an electrician, he has to learn the dangers, first of all, of wires. He has to learn what the good wires are and what the bad wires are. He has to learn how to put these things together. He has to learn, you know, how to wire a building, how to deal with wiring outside. And so he gets trained over a period of four years 
uh, in this instructed in this uh, profession. And it's the same with us in the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us what, uh, what God's will is, teaches us who God is, teaches us what Jesus Christ has done for us, teaches us who our enemy is, Satan, and what his tactics are. And so that's why we come to Bible Church and why we study the Word of God. And so he has blessed us already, but it's up to us to find it. Even before, in verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So here's that thing I was saying. Sin was blocking us from having a relationship with God. Sin was preventing us from being able to come to know God or come into his presence. So the sin had to be dealt with. And that's what Jesus did. And so uh, what happened because of Jesus paying the price for our sins is that we got washed, we got cleansed. And when we repent of our sins, uh, you know, we are washed and cleansed and made right with God. And that's how simple it is. The gospel and Bible study is not complicated. You know, the devil will tell you that. He'll tell you, this is too much for you to take in. It's too hard. You know, you've got to become some kind of weirdo. Uh, you know, you've got to become, uh, you know, some kind of great theologian. To, no one can understand it. You know, people who say that, they're operating under the, the, uh, the influence of the enemy. Because God's word is simple. And the gospel is simple. Sin needed to be paid for. God gave his son, he gave himself to pay for that sin so that we could be brought back to God and so that we could then live successfully, live happy, live with peace and with joy, not with turmoil, not with defeat, not with anxiety. And, uh, you know, nobody has it all. We're all on a journey of learning this and we're going to see that in a minute. Um, in verse 5, God decided in advance, or he predestined us to adoption into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. Say, through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. That's how he did it. He predestined us. So you have been predestined, okay? Don't turn around and tell your neighbor, you've been predestined. Yeah, you've been predestined. Yes. So in verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he, Jesus, purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us. Do you know that God is kind? God is so kind. And it just makes me really sad and... Um, you know, when, when you hear people saying, well, why does God allow all these things? He has been so misrepresented down through the years by people who were pertaining to speak for him and who taught people according to what men thought and men's opinions and not what God's word says. Because God is so kind. He is full of unfailing love, compassion and kindness. And it is not his will that there is disaster in people's lives or that there is disaster wherever or destruction. That is Satan's will. So God's will and his destiny for us is something totally uh, at the other extreme. But, but the devil is a thief and he's a liar. He lies constantly. And people can get very influenced by those lies and, and you know, become mesmerized and, and tricked and so much so, I would say, you know, in today's world that we're living in, you can't believe one thing that you hear in the news or that you read in the news. You need to investigate the truth about everything for yourself. Because there's a narrative that's being spun by spin doctors. They used to talk about them in the 90s, but I'll tell you, they never went away. They just got a little bit more covert and behind the scenes. So they're the ones underneath the podium. You know, and somebody else is doing the talking for them. But there is plenty of spin being spun. And it is entrapping people and, and making people believe lies. In fact, Isaiah said that they will call those things that are good, evil, and call the things that are evil, good. 
And that's what's happening before our very eyes. And that's why it's so important for people to awake and to, uh, and to understand that just like that little ant, there's more of us than there is of them. And who I'm talking about them is, is the enemy. Because, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against these people who are deceived. Our battle is against the evil spirit that's controlling them and that is trying to dominate and control the world. People saw it back in 1939 when, when you know, they saw it even in the, in earlier in the 30s. They knew what was happening in, in Nazi Germany and they knew how that the people were being uh, lured and mesmerized and controlled and dominated. And then it broke out and somebody had to stand up and say, no. And, you know, that world war ensued. And only for those people, we wouldn't be here today enjoying our freedom. But that Nazi spirit has not gone away. Whether it is that they're telling you what kind of cup you can drink out of now in Killarney. You know, you can't drink out of paper cups, you drink out of a plastic cup. Who likes coffee or tea out of a plastic cup? You know, uh, whether it's telling you how your children should dress or, or, or how they should be taught in school, how parents shouldn't have a say in a, their child's education, that they need to shut up and sit down. Uh, I'll tell you, that Nazi spirit is everywhere and people really need to see it because it's dangerous. It's trying to dominate and control in order for greed and power, lust for power and greed. That's what it's all about, you know? And um, there is actually a, a, a group of people in the world who believe that, you know, most people are just the little people. That's how dictators all down through the years, you study history, that's how they came to power. They saw themselves as being better and needing to take control in order that, and, and to press down the little people. And they didn't care how they got that control. They, they raped, they, they killed, they murdered, they controlled, they, they sabotaged, they betrayed, they lied, they cheated. It's still going on. And only now, it's right in front of our eyes, in mainstream, uh, every part of, of our culture. And, and people have just sat down and took it. God be with the days when men were men, and, and men and women of, of valor and bravery stood up for what was right and said, no, that is wrong. I'm sorry, you won't do that. Where are those people gone? Praise the Lord. Very Anyway, in verse 11 of, of this Ephesians chapter 1, <laughs> um, it says, Furthermore, because we were united in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us, or he has already predestined us. Here's that word again, that we have been predestined. Say it again to your neighbor, you're predestined. You know that, you're predestined. You're here today for a reason. You are predestined and chosen in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. For the purpose of his will, he will work all these things out. Amen. In... Um, in Romans chapter 8, if you want to have a look there. You know, you're an overcomer. Amen. You may not feel like it. In fact, maybe things have, have gone wrong in life or maybe, you know, there's been failure or there's been disappointment or betrayal or whatever. But God's, in, in God's eyes, you are an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. And he has put you on this earth for such a time as this. And, uh, you know... In my last rant there, when I said, where are those men and women? Listen, they're here. They're here in this very room. Only the enemy has tried to, to zip and silence them. I remember when my oldest, 
she was wild and uh, she went to preschool and thank God the preschool teacher made a great hand of her and uh, she used to, for the first few weeks when she'd be coming home, I'd say, how'd you get out today? Oh good, yeah, great fun, yeah. Yeah, I was sitting in the naughty chair again. Uh, the, the, they had a word for it that time. Time out chair. It wasn't naughty, it was the time out chair. I was sitting in the time out chair again and I was saying, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's terrible or whatever. And she goes, uh, zip zoom out. <laughs> She, her, 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 her linguistics weren't. Um, she was. She used to say some funny things. So that's what she. That's obviously what she was being told. <laughs> she was a chatterbox, and uh, but uh, they made a great hand of her. But um, you know, the, she zips them out. I often think of it that we. You know, that's what the enemy is trying to do with people: is is zip the mouths in order that people feel they're they're not able to cope, or they're not strong enough, or they don't have. The, and, and you know that's something that I noticed even talking about that article that was written you know is that people can talk down to you and can sort of make you feel like that you're a bit of an ignoramus or a bit of an idiot and you don't understand this so why would you even bother trying to go there listen that's a really cunning trick by the enemy to make people feel stupid or to make them feel less educated that their voice wouldn't matter or that what they have to say would not make sense that's exactly how Satan operates. But anyway, in, in, um, and that's why we need to, you know, be very careful with the spirit of pride and haughtiness. Um, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Um, well, if we look at 26 maybe. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows all hearts, or sorry, the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers. That's why people, that's what the gift of tongues is, the gift of praying in the Spirit, is the Holy Spirit praying for us in a, our private prayer language between us and God that Satan cannot infiltrate. But God, you know, you, um, the Holy Spirit prays for us, the things that need to be prayed through. And, um, uh, and the Father knows all hearts. He knows all hearts, and he knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, in accordance with God's will is how the Holy Spirit prays through us. So when somebody prays and, you know, they start praying, Father, I just pray right now for uh, whoever, my sister or my brother or whatever, they pray, you know, and, and people say, how did you, you pray for that? In fact, Mag had a great testimony the other night that... Um, that girl, where did we hear that again? I can't even remember. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right, Pastor Tunde. Yes, he gave that testimony that uh, there was a lady in his church and that she was woken in the middle of the night at 12 o'clock actually and that she, she prayed for two hours in the spirit and she didn't know why and she could not go to sleep. She, could, she kept praying and pressing in and at two o'clock she just felt something break and she went back to sleep and he found out the next day that her father had been taken to the hospital and at 12 o'clock when she had woken up out of her sleep and started praying her father had actually died on the table in the A&E and um, that because it was so busy I think it, I don't think it was in this country because it was so busy that um, they had left him in, in a, you know, a cubicle or whatever because some other emergency had come in in the meantime and they began working on that person and at 2am her father resurrected from the dead. His heart started beating again and they ran back and said, my God, this man's alive. And she never knew he was in hospital. She never knew anything about this. But the Spirit of God, just like we read there, you know, prayed through her because God, she had such a relationship with the Lord that the Lord nudged her to wake up and pray for her father. She never even knew she was praying for him. She was praying in the Spirit. And so, you know, he pleads with us in harmony with God's own will. And uh, that's why we need to know the word of God. It's why it's, it's like, you know, again, going back to a, a workman, like I say, a tradesman of some kind. He's going to have all his tools on his belt and in his bag. And that man will not go or that woman, uh, you know, whether they're an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter, they will not go to work in the morning without having all their tools with them because they need every tool. And that's what the word of God does for us is he tools us and equips us. And he has already called us. 
You know, you have been called for a great work. God has called you and, and he's anointed you and appointed you. He's filled you with his Holy Spirit and he wants you to carry out his purposes on this earth. Amen. Amen? And so we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them or he predestined them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, there's that word again, he, having predestined them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with him. That's where he dealt with the sin. And so he washed our sin and gave us right standing with himself so that we could be in intimate relationship and fellowship with God as his daughters, as his sons. He gave us right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So he has predestined you and chosen you for a purpose. Not just you, but every person. I think the battery's gone, but anyway, it's fine. Every person on this earth has been called and chosen and appointed for a special purpose that only we, me, you, them, can fulfill for God. And you know, many people have, have not known that and have instead fallen for the lies of the enemy and come under his influence and carried out his works. You ask yourself, how is there so much evil in the world? How is it that people can kill each other and, and hurt each other and, and hurt and, and kill babies or children or, or, you know, abuse them? How is it that people can do that? Those people are under the influence of an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit. They're under the influence of Satan and they're being used by him. It's not God who's causing them to do that. And it's to the shame of those who have for years, uh, you know, spoken the word of God uh, and, and have, have taught people that they know best um, and that they're speaking for God. It is to their shame that, you know, many of them have, and, and I'm not calling all of them, but I'm saying many of them have, have hurt and abused people or wronged people or been corrupt and greedy and, and you know, uh, have instead spoiled people's perception of God. Because who would want to serve that God? Yeah. Who? No, but that's why people run away and they say they're atheists and that they don't believe in God. They, it's not that they don't believe in God. Many of those people are deeply spiritual and actually know the Lord in, in many ways. But they, you know, they don't maybe have the language because where they see religion purporting to talk for God, what they hate is actually, and what they don't believe in is religion. And I'm delighted because I don't believe in religion either. You know, our relationship with God is a faith-based relationship. It's not a membership of some society or some cozy cartel where people at the top are acting one way and saying something completely different. You know, and, and it's time for the truth to be exposed. Amen. And uh, in John chapter 15, this is John's gospel. She's you're getting a right blast of it today. <laughs> Praise God, that's the Holy Spirit. John 15 and verse 16. And this is Jesus speaking. And he was speaking, you know, talking about how God is the vine, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And that the branches are where the fruit comes and so the fruit comes from the branches because the branches are attached to the vine, uh, you know, which has the root system, the water, the food, everything that those branches need to produce fruit. And so that's what he was saying here is that he's the vine, we're the branches, and we are to produce fruit for him. And he says in 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. I predestined you. I appointed it that you would go and produce lasting fruit. 
And you say, well, what kind of fruit am I supposed to produce? Am I supposed to go off and go preaching the gospel or something? Or, you know, become some kind of, of, of a, a priest or something? Listen, the Lord has called all of us to produce fruit in our lives by the way we live. People are called, in, there are people who are called to be teachers. People are called to be farmers, nurses, people called in the marketplace, people called in, you know, in, in various different sections of society. You go into any business or, you know, um, see anybody working in a particular job. There's, there's men in, in this town who work for the council. They clean the streets every single morning and they are absolutely meticulous. They're so good at their jobs. There are people who work in shops you go into and they're just absolutely a, a beam of light radiating, so happy in their work. There's others and you see them in their work and they're like miserable and you say, you know, um, why are you doing this job like, you know, go and find what it is you're called to do so that you can be happy, you know. And, and uh, so it doesn't matter what your calling is. There are people who are so handy and gifted with their hands. They can turn their hand to anything. There's others like me who can turn my hand to nothing. But I'm good at cooking or baking. You know, so somebody else might be good at that. You know, we are called. And we're called to use that gifting for God. To glorify him. To bless others. And to allow him to use us. Yeah, to show his character, his nature, his traits. You know that God's traits are honesty and kindness and truth and hope and joy and love. God is love. He's, he's full of mercy and unfailing love. And that's how we're supposed to live. You know? And so he's saying there, I chose you to go and bear fruit for me in my name. So go turn to your neighbor and say, go bear some fruit. <laughs> lasting fruit, lasting fruit, fruit that lasts. Praise the Lord, fruit that lasts. And he says there that when you produce that fruit that lasts, when you start living according to my word and allowing me to use you to bring me glory, what's going to happen, he said, is that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. And uh, myself and Kelly were having a chat this morning. And you know, sometimes it's difficult to love people. Especially people who are maybe, you know, uh, not, you know, not operating in that same love towards us. It's very difficult. But you know, that's God using that situation to mold us and to shape us to become more like him. Because you know how many people in the world today hate God, who curse God, who swear, uh, you know, at him. You hear them saying all kinds of things against God. And yet, you know what? He still loves them. And it's his greatest desire that all of them come to know him. Amen. He has such patience and such mercy. And so in, in us dealing with people who are difficult, you know, we need to have that, same, have that same character and nature as what God has. Is it easy? No, <laughs> it is not easy. It's in fact extremely difficult. <laughs> But anyway, you've been called. Say you've been called. <laughs> yeah, don't forget that. You've been called. In Isaiah 42, if you want to have a look there. Oh, I love the book of Isaiah. It's that and Ephesians and John. I love so much. But anyway, here we go. Isaiah chapter 42. We're going to flick through a couple of scriptures really quickly. Verse 6. Thank you for your patience. Are you doing okay? Yeah, yeah you're still here. Okay. Um. In verse 5, God the Lord created the heavens. This is Isaiah 42, 5. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks this earth. And it is he who says, I the Lord have called you. Say called you. Called you. Yes, he's called you to demonstrate my righteousness. Do you know what that is? His righteousness is his holiness. His, his, and, and that's what Jesus came to give us the gift of righteousness. It's something we could never do. Listen, I may be able to build the greatest house. I can make the greatest cake. I can make the most beautiful children. I can whatever. But I can never make myself right with God. 
I could never pay the price that was due for my sins, and neither can you. That's news to you, I know, but look, there you go. Uh, None of us could make ourselves right with God. And so what he did was he gave us that gift of righteousness through Jesus, his son. And what he wants us to do now is to go and reflect that righteousness. That's why we're to shine. He says, you know, that we are to shine, that we are to radiate his glory and his love, that we are to show and demonstrate his love, his mercy and his power. So he's called you to do that. He's called you to demonstrate his righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. There's his protection. And I will give you uh, to my people as a, as a symbol of my covenant with them, the people of Israel. And uh, he's speaking here prophetically over um, the Messiah. But you know, because of the fact that we have been accepted in Christ, he's also speaking to us here because we are, you know, the body of Christ on this earth. And he's saying, you will be a light to guide the nations, the Gentiles. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. And you know, that's the truth of it. There are people who have been tricked and deceived by Satan to get involved in all kinds of um, addictions and, and problems and um, you know, lifestyles where they are being duped and deceived. And it is the church's job, because we are the body of Christ, to shine his light and to bring freedom for those captives. And how do you bring freedom? You bring freedom by walking the way Jesus walked and by loving the way Jesus loved, by treating people with respect and with love, by, you know, by speaking the truth in love, by bearing that fruit. And uh, in um, Isaiah chapter 43, and he says here in verse... Um, But now, Jacob, listen, the Lord who created you, Israel, who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You know that the Lord knows your name and that he's called you by your name. You know that your name has meaning, the the, the word of your name. And, you know, there's there's a translation and a meaning to your name. And many people are not... Um, living out the calling that's on their lives um, that's already been appointed on them. He called you by your name. And it's up to us through the word of God to find out, you know, what it is he's called us for. And many people, you know, you already know what you've been called to. And, and some of you are actually working in that area. And, you know, that's why you're finding fulfillment and, and, and all that. But the thing is, he's calling you higher. And he's calling you deeper to come to know him more so that you can uh, fulfill all of your destiny. In fact, it says in Corinthians, your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard the things which the Lord has stored up for you because he loves you. You know, your eyes and your ears have not understood the things that you've been called to. And you think you're only here by accident. You know, or you think, well... uh, I'm just kind of living life. I'm going to bed at night and I'm getting up in the morning. I'm going to work and I'm just doing my work and I'm paying my bills and I'm just getting on with life. But, you know, many people are existing in that sort of existence for all the world. And there's so much more. The Lord wants to have this relationship with you where you hear his voice and where you uh, carry out those things you've been destined for. You read it there with many people who've written books or who've, you know, achieved great things in life. And they said, I, I never even thought if you told me 10 years ago that I'd be doing this today, you know, and, and, that, and that's the truth. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. He's not promising you, uh, listen, it's all going to be plain sailing. In fact, he's saying the opposite. He's saying there's going to be deep water where it's scary, where it's frightening. There's going to be things where the the water gets stormy and and there's difficulty trying to navigate that water. He's saying, but he's saying you won't drown. 
I'll be with you. I'll carry you through it. When you walk through the fire of oppression, fire is not pleasant to walk through. It's actually really, really hot. It burns and it's frightening. And, you know, there are things that people have gone through in life, seasons in life where they've gone through very difficult things and it felt like it was all over and yet it wasn't. And they came out the other side. And, you know, God has brought you out of it and he's done that and for a purpose. And no, he didn't cause whatever the oppression or the fire or the addiction or the problem or the pain or the betrayal was, but he's going to use that. We read that in Romans, that he works all things for good. He doesn't cause all things for good, but he, he will work with what has happened and he'll bring good from it. That's because he's our redeemer. And we just read that there in Isaiah 42, that he is the redeemer. And so... You know, look, the Bible is full of people who were predestined. You've got Paul, you've got Gideon, you've got Joseph, you've got Daniel, you've got the three boys, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, you've got Moses, you've got David, you've got Matthew, the tax collector, and Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Both of them used by God. Both of them called by Jesus by name and and used by him in his kingdom. Uh, You've got Jabez. Uh, you know the, you know who Jabez was? He was this man who was born. His mother had such a difficult birth with him that she gave him the name Jabez, and it means pain. That's what Jabez's name meant. I cause pain. Imagine that, that every time somebody called him, they said, hey, I cause pain, come over here. Hey, Jabez. You know, that's the power of, of people's names. And so Jabez prayed in First Chronicles chapter 4. And he said, oh, that you would bless me. He prayed to the living God. And he said, God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my border, that you would break me out of this sort of box that I've been put into because of my birth, and that you would enlarge my border, and that you would cause me to grow and have success, and that I might not cause pain to others. He said, will you break off me the thing that I was named for? You know, and it says, and the Lord heard his prayer and blessed him indeed. That's Jabez. So he was predestined for a different life from what he was labeled with as a child. There's been people who've been labeled labeled as stupid, as dunces, as, as you know, whatever the name is. People come up with names all the time. Idiots, um, you know, whatever. And, and those people have been named that way by, by parents or teachers or friends or whatever, community leaders. And, and, and that name has been put on them. And, and so they've been put into that box for all of their lives. And God is saying to you, no, that's not what I had for you. I have predestined you for greatness. And it's time for us to get in alignment with God's plan. Remember, there's two destiny makers Again, there's that word destiny, predestined. There's two destiny makers. There's God or there's Satan. Satan has nothing like the power that God has, but he has the power to deceive. Jesus said he deceives. And when Jesus was speaking about the end times, people are asking all the time about the end times. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the end times? Listen, Jesus warned three times, beware that you're not deceived because it's deception. And people are deceived and they're lured into a kind of a complacency and lulled off into a sleep. And it is so dangerous. It's destructive. It's, it's an open door for total destruction. And so finally, the last scripture in, in Philippians 3, the first of the last scriptures, no, I'm joking. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, this is Paul. And look at Paul, the, the call and the anointing that was on his life. And like yet, he started off life as being a zealous, as being zealous for God through the religious system of the law and of trying to shut down Jesus and all of those who were following Jesus. And yet, in one moment, Paul's life totally changed. When he had that encounter with with Jesus on the road to Damascus, it said, this incredible light uh, came and Paul was blinded. He was actually blinded by the light and those who were with him heard him speaking but they they didn't see Jesus and he he um Jesus said to him Paul Paul why are you persecuting me 
And Paul, at the sorry, Saul, he said, Saul, that was his name. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says to him, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. And you'll notice that Jesus said, you're persecuting me. Paul had never, or Saul had never met Jesus, but he was persecuting Jesus's people. He was persecuting those who were following Jesus. And, and Saul, he said to him, your name, you know, he gave him a change of name. He gave him a change of destiny from what the road he was following and from the alignment that he had held. And now Paul went and wrote, you know, most of the New Testament, including this book in Philippians. And this is what he said in chapter 3. In verse, um, in chapter 3, he kind of gives a sort of a, a history of himself, of who he was, of how he was born into this great Jewish family. He obeyed the law to the T. He did everything that he thought he should do or that he was thought he should do. And, uh, you know, he said, if, if anyone should have been saved, I should have been. Because he said, I totally, you know, lived by the law. And in verse 7, he said... I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. And garbage there, the word that Paul used is actually a different word to the word garbage. Garbage is the polite word for it, okay? He said, I've counted all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And he goes on to say in verse 12, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. So you see, people read Paul's writings and they think, well, it was easy for Paul. He saw, he met Jesus. He knew, he, he visited heaven. He knew all these things. How, it's not as easy for me. But Paul is saying, listen, I don't have it all together and neither do you. And none of us will because we're all on a journey through this life. And, you know, we're growing and God is transforming us and knocking off the edges He's, he's changing us in areas. So it's, it's, that's why it's a lifestyle. And that's why Bible study is so important. You know, you can't come to church once. We used to have people who'd come here and, uh, you know, they'd say, uh, long ago, if they were sick or something and they were coming because somebody in their family was sick or they were sick, and they'd say, how long do I have to do this for now? Almost like that you were taking on an exercise program. You know, those 12-week programs that change you from being... Uh, you know, totally unfit and unhealthy into being like a model size zero. Uh, this kind of uh, false, um, false advertising thing that where where you can totally change your life in in four weeks if you do this, this, and this, and and that's the way people have been groomed by the world. But our relationship with the Lord is not a one-time, one-off kind of a thing. Like we said before, the the ATM stick in my card card spits out money or the machine spits out money at me or go to the McDonald's window and tell them I want a burger and I want it now and then go to the next window pay for it and get it you know and and that's the the culture that we've become used to and we expect the same from God and when he doesn't deliver we say what are you doing like I was so kind and so good because I was here and I was waiting and you didn't show up well Paul is saying you know I have not come to the end of it I am still on this journey and he said I haven't achieved all these things, or I'm not saying that I've already reached perfection. But, say but. but. Are you still alive? You are. But I press on. Say press on. press on. Press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on the one thing, this one thing, forgetting the past. Turn around to your neighbor and say, forget the past. Forget, the past. forget it, it's gone. The past is gone. You have to forget the past. You have to forget the past. It's gone. And look forward 
to what lies ahead. And here he says it again, Paul. He says, I press on. Say press on. Press on. on To reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me heavenward or upward. And so, you know, he says in, in another version, it says, I'm straining towards what is ahead. So you've got this picture of somebody in a race and it's coming so close to the line and they're, they're just about, you know, uh, trying to keep the lead and they're straining and pushing themselves to get to that finish line, to finish the race. That's what Paul was saying. And so, you know, for all of us, it's no different. We are in... Uh, um, you know, a fight in a battle, but the word of God tells us that the battle is not ours, it's God's. But we have to press in and persevere. We have to do what is right, even when it's not pleasant, you know, uh, even when it's, it's not what, what is usually our nature. We have to press in and do what's right. The devil has a destiny that he would like you to fulfill. And many people do. He lures them, he traps them, and then they're caught there. You know how many people go to their grave having struggled all their lives with various uh, different problems that were just Satan attacking them and, and trapping them and causing them to feel defeated and feel like God didn't like them or, or had no, they had no hope in life? That's how the enemy operates. And he does not, God does not want you to be like that. But that's what Satan wants. He has your total destruction in his mind. And not just you, but your children and your legacy, your descendants after you. That's what he's interested in. And that's why this particular spirit of, of uh, you know, whatever it is, homosexuality, transgenderism, is going after the children. Because you groom somebody from when they're young. The Word of God says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. So there are children who have been groomed to to believe a certain thing about themselves. And you know, it's very hard to get them to change their minds on that. Because, you know, they, they, they believe that what they've been told. Children believe what they're told. And this is what causes such confusion. So, um, but God promised that those who hear his voice and who turn to them, he removed our sins and then he transforms those areas of darkness where we were ignorant of his word, where we were ignorant of how to behave or how to live. That's how you can see somebody who uh, comes in to the word of God, uh, comes into the kingdom of God, who has lived a certain way, a certain lifestyle of immorality or of whatever kind of addictions or, or bad stuff or had, had a, maybe a life of utter torment in their minds uh, from mental health issues or from abuse or whatever. And from coming to know the Lord, that person is totally transformed and changed Amen. into a new creation. And, and people wonder, how does it happen? You hear about it from people who are in prison all the time. Oh, they found Jesus. And, and you know, you have scoffers and mockers who laugh at that. Oh, yeah, they found Jesus. Yeah, a leopard doesn't change his spots. But listen, you know, God and God's power, his Holy Spirit is what transforms. And that's why you cannot have a relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. He's the power that transforms and changes. He's the one who reveals the word of God to us. And that's why we press in to know him. Amen. Amen. So I'll leave you with that. There's about 50,000 other scriptures we could use. But, you know, all those men, great men in the Bible that you read of, Daniel, David, Joseph, Paul, uh, Gideon, um, Abraham, all these ones, they were on a certain path in life. And then they encountered God. And their whole life changed. And they were predestined and called to great works, which we still study today. And you are no different. God has a plan for you. So let's pray. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release your anointing today. I pray, Lord, for ears to be opened, spiritual ears to be opened, spiritual eyes to be opened. You know, you have come here today. Uh, and, and you have traveled a long road already. If you look back and see where you've come from and see what the Lord has done in your life, see where he's protected you, where he's delivered you, maybe some time that you were nearly killed, maybe some time where, where something awful happened and God brought you out of it and, and turned everything around.
Listen, that wasn't by chance. That was because you've been predestined. You have been predestined to greatness. You've been predestined to God's plan and his blueprint. No builder starts building a house and says, look, we'll just dig an owl hole there and make it 20 by 30 and we'll shove up a few, a few uh, bricks. And, and, you know, no builder is going to build like that. There's a blueprint and God has a blueprint. It says in the word of God that there are books written in heaven about you about the things he has planned for you. So, Father, I pray today that those things, we'll say this together, Father, Father in the name of your Son, Jesus, I ask you to show me, to show me and unfold, and unfold those, things, those things, plans, plans blueprints, blueprints, destiny, destiny that you have written in my books in heaven. Lord Jesus, I ask you, I ask you to, fill me to fill me with your Holy Spirit. With your Holy Spirit. Baptize, me Baptize me with your power, with your power. And, transform my life. and transform my life and use me, and use me for, your glory. for your glory. I dedicate my life to you. I believe you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross and you took my sin and paid the price for me to be forgiven and washed and cleansed and made right with God. I receive your free gift of righteousness and peace with God. And I declare I am a child of God now brought into your family to live for you and to be blessed in everything I do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Father. You've heard our prayer today. And Lord, we are in total agreement with wanting your plan for our life because your plan is the good plan. Lord, that you would direct us and lead us, that you would uh, bring us into alignment and correct us in areas where we need to, to align our lives with you. Lord, that you would open doors for us, Father God, that you would bring us into relationship with you and with others, Lord, that you would close doors that are not of you, O oh God, that you would give us wisdom and discernment. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray for an impartation today of the Spirit of God upon you to bring uh, discernment and God's wisdom, his counsel. You know, people are going to therapists and to psychiatric um, people for help, psychologists and all kinds of things to try and, and, and get their heads straight. And the word of God says that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. So I pray that the Lord would open his counsel to you today and that you would hear his voice and that you would respond and listen and that you would follow his path. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll finish with this. The word of God says this. Let's speak this scripture out. Father, Father your, word your word tells me, tells me that, your word that your word is a light for my path, is a light for my path and, a lamp to my and a lamp to my feet. That you show me, you show the, me way to go, the way to go. That you unfold, that you unfold the direction Direction that my life needs to take, my life needs to take. And, I trust you. and I trust you and I ask you, I ask you to, take out all fear to take out all fear out of my heart, out of my heart. the fear of men the fear of the future the fear of lack I renounce, I renounce and break every pact, break every pact that I have had, I have had with, the with the spirit of fear. I break it off myself, it off myself and, my and my family in the name of Jesus. And I declare, and I declare that, I do not fear, that I do not fear, but I trust in you. I trust in, you. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.